this is More Games Than Time. I'm Roger. And I'm not Lee or Paul, as my friends like to call me. Yeah, Lee's busy with a house move. Uh, Paul's kind enough to join me this month. Uh, so we'll be talking about what we've played recently, and uh, they'll be talking with uh, Albert and Anders of the One Player Podcast, Nick Marshall of Watson Hall, about Sentinels of the Multiverse. I should say, if, if you don't already know Sentinels of the Multiverse, you should probably go and listen to either our episode talking about it or Albert's episode talking about it, because we're going to get into how the how the versions differ and which one you should buy. playing, well, two games that turn out to be quite similar, uh, Snow Tales and Russian Crush. Oh, okay. I've heard of Snow Tales, but never Russian Crush. Yeah, so that's 2008, Gordon and Fraser Lamont, and they did bring out, I think, a second edition in 2013, but consensus seems to be people don't like it as much. Oh, interesting. Uh, well, we'll have to talk about what they changed if you... No, I think, yeah, okay. I have a little information. I haven't played the later edition. Uh, okay. But at the same time, uh, Russian Crush, which is 2009 by Guillaume Blossier, Shelley Casals, and Frédéric Henri, the last of whom the next year designed Timeline and presumably now, you know, relaxes on his solid gold yacht. <laughs> well, something we all aspire to. It's gonna sink. Anyway. <laughs> sink so, in style, though. Yeah. So, I enjoy both of these, but I brought them together because they've got a surprisingly similar movement mechanic. Um, in each game, you you have a speed and a number of lane changes. Okay. And the track is, I don't know, there's probably a proper term for it, but the classic brick pattern uh, interleaving uh, rectangles. So you, you always have a choice of going straight forward, forward and a little bit less forward and left, or a little bit less forward and right. Gotcha, okay. And but, uh, both of them are race games. Uh, they they both have tiles that you arrange to make up the track. Um, though I, I believe Snow Tales 2 has a single board and then you have junctions that you block off to say it's this particular course. Right. Uh, and yeah, they, they have a lot of similar things. Some, yeah, Snow Tales has speed limits. Um, Russian Crush doesn't, but it does have a lot more obstructions on the track. So you have to lane change around them. Right, okay. And the, Just um quick question, sorry, yeah. with Snow Charles, you're saying that they both have a similar concept of speed. Snow Charles, though, isn't that, would that not be made up by the contribution of your individual dogs? Mm, well, I'm trying I'm to think of it as like a Roman chariot racing game where the horses influence the speed of the chariot. Is that, yeah. is that the same with Snow Charles? Uh, well, Rus- Russian Crush is different, but they, they both have a, I don't know, what would you call it, a mini game for determining that speed and steering. Right, okay. So, Snow Tails, yeah, as you say, you, you've got your left dog and your right dog. Okay, so it's two dogs, okay, yeah. And you have cards for, uh, I think it's a single deck of cards, uh, values one to five. Uh, you can play as many cards as you like of the same value in a turn. So you can say, you know, both dogs go at speed four, or, but you can't say this one go to three and the other one go to five. And right. the sum of the dog 
values is your speed, and the difference is how much how many lane changes you're going to get in that direction. Ah, okay, right. So if yeah, right, gotcha. Uh, and there's also a brake slot on the on the sled, so the the speed is actually left dog plus right dog minus brake value. Right. Okay. Uh, but but again, you can you can only set these things to one. In a turn, and you only have a five card hand, so the chance of you actually getting two cards the same that you both want to play, at least in my experience, is quite low. Quite low. Okay, fair enough. Um, Russian Crush does not do that, of course, because, yeah, why would you have two engines in a car? Uh, <laughs> oh, that would be cool though. <laughs> what, what it does have is, is a, is a sort of gearbox simulator. So you've got a, a board with a, with a gear shift pawn on it, uh, and it's a sort of two and a half dimensional um, model, the pawn goes up the board, you're going up in speed. Right. As it moves up and to the left, you're increasing your revs and thus potentially increasing heat and damaging the engine. Okay, interesting, yeah. So what you can either do is go straight up the board, which is revving high and accelerating quickly. Yeah, whoosh. Yeah, okay. Or you can go up diagonally to the right, which is slower acceleration but leaves you in, in the um, clear zone for your engine. Okay. Uh, and you you can slide along horizontally as far as you like with a gear shift. Right. So okay. so you can rev up very high yes, and then yeah, slide and across and change slide down. Across. Yeah. Or, or the other way around. Oh, that's a nice representation of essentially driving really fast and drifting. I like that. So. Yeah. And given yeah. that it's basically, you know, post-apocalyptic um, machine gun racing. Yeah. This is, I think this is probably the, the best actual simulation of an engine and gearbox I've played in a board game. Yeah, that sounds really <laughs> clever, but very, very straightforward. So, are you familiar with the, uh, very old but popular video game, uh, Wipeout? Uh, I have seen it, I've not played it. Okay, it sounds like a very interesting board game implementation of that, which is drive fast, drift and shoot stuff, so. Hmm. And you okay. also have, you know, ramming and weapons and stuff, which, which is not <gasps> part of, uh, Snowtails. <laughs> It just keeps getting better. <laughs> well, I, I'm running a play-by-forum game uh, at the moment, but uh, yeah. right, okay. I, I, I played this uh, last year and searched out a copy because I enjoyed it so much. Yeah, yeah. So... I've just listened to you talk about it. It sounds awesome. I would love that game. <laughs> oh, I'll bring it along sometime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So, Snowtails Two. Okay, look, I have not played this, but I had a quick look at BGG reviews, mm-hmm. and. BGG reviews, remembering this is not representative of the gaming public, but, but they, they feel it was dumbed down. Right, okay. Um, any particular reasons why? Um, wasn't entirely clear to me, but they, they were saying basically my, my ideal game would be the old movement mechanics and the new, um, board as optional tiles. Right, okay. And I, th- I think you do have quite a lot of different possible courses. Even though it is just yeah. a single board, but yeah, it's it's nice to have that feel of um, putting down the cardboard and building yeah, your own. Yeah, gotcha. It's uh, the addition you played. Does you? I mean, are you putting like, trees and obstacles on? Uh, yeah, it's obstacles, but you, but the board will say where the obstacles should be. So a particular tile saying this is the one with trees on it, and you put the trees in these positions. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, they are separate tree meeples. Yeah, uh, but that is because oh, when, cool. you, when you drive into one, you smash it down and anybody <laughs> coming after you can just go through without any hazard. 
Oh, okay. Oh, that's a nice. T- I assume there's nothing. Um, <laughs> dogs don't get killed or anything like that. No. I don't think it would ever ever well, see the light of day if that were to happen. So. No, but you but you can. And basically, every time you take damage, uh, you you get a junk card which is goes permanently into your hand and takes up one of the five slots. Gotcha. Right. So it's very that's punishing. Right. As, as yeah. I say, because you often want to play more than one card at once, and you don't have many chances anyway. Um, the fewer cards you have, really, the less you can do at all. The less it is. Yeah, okay. I can't think of any tactical situations where actually driving through a tree would give you an advantage, so that's, that's probably a good idea, so. Yeah, the, the problem is that, okay, so this, this is a first game response, and I suspect that if I learnt to play it better, I would do better. The feeling I got was, well, you know, I can make the best plan in the world, but if I draw the wrong cards, mm-hmm. I'm gonna smash into several trees. Right, okay. Or run off the edge, or... Or run off the... Yeah, whatever. Okay, so. Right, okay. And that that may not be fair. There are a lot of people who have played it a lot and still treat it very favourably, so that, so that should probably not be considered in anybody's evaluation. Um, so Russian Crush also has lots of obstacles. They are all fixed obstacles. You don't get any markers, though, though uh, some of the cars do have mind droppers. Right, okay. <laughs> hey! Um... <laughs> Yeah, the, the way that uh, mitigates the randomness, you, you, your lane changes are based on your speed. So if, if you're going very slowly, many ch- lane changes as you like, okay, yeah. and then you, you roll five dice and take the highest number, and that's the number of lane changes you have. And then you gradually fewer and fewer dice, and then cross the midpoint, and you're still rolling dice, but you're taking the lowest number. Right, so okay. So at, gotcha. at oh, speed yes, 16, you're rolling five dice and taking the lowest of them to, to get yeah, your lane changes. Okay. Uh, there's some way to mitigate the randomness there, isn't there? Um, so. But you do have steering points, which you can spend... You know, it's a one-off resource, but you can spend them to um, increase that in a, in a turn. Right, OK. Uh, you also have turbo and brake points to let you change up and down faster. Um, OK. Uh, the, these don't refresh during the game. No, but they're a resource for you to manage to mitigate... If things have gone nice badly, you, you yeah, have that yeah. thing you can do, which, yeah, which Snow is, Tales nice, is yeah. obviously a simpler game uh, yeah. in terms of the choices you have to make, but it's a little unfortunate from, from my perspective that it doesn't have that. Yeah, there's no way to mitigate that. So with, with Russian Crush, then, uh, there's obviously weapons involved. Uh, shooting things. In, in, in a relatively simple way, yeah. Um, yeah. That's what I was going to ask you, because racing games I've played where there are weapons involved, invariably they get bogged down having a variety of weapons, and therefore you have a lot of different rules for different weapons, and that kind of gets in yeah. the way of the racing. And uh, I Also, I played Car Wars back in the day, and that yep. started off as a fighting game. Yeah. And then they brought in racing later, and very soon after that they realised it's a, it's a very good idea to have a rule that says something along the lines of no weapons during the first lap. Yeah, yeah, because... Otherwise everybody well, just, you know, crosses the start line and blows each other to pieces, and then, then the one survivor yeah. does the race. <laughs> I've got to admit, my recollections of car wars are rarely it being a race, even with that rule. It's just, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there, there are, well, there are various offensive things you can do. In terms of the actual weapons, you've got a machine gun, uh, range of one to three directly ahead of you. You roll, um, four minus the range dice. And on a one or a two, you do a point of structure to the enemy. And they, they start with typically six. Okay. Simple. Um, and a flamethrower works the same way. It fires backwards. Yeah. Same, same hit roll, but on, on a hit, you do one point of heat. Right, and okay. again, I, th- I think if you get to seven heat points, you, you've uh, overheated and exploded. Right, okay. Uh, though, but you can mitigate the heat by 
driving slower. Is that my understanding for what you well, were saying? Well, it, it doesn't. It doesn't go down. You you will gain okay. less by, ah, by, I see. Right. Okay. by gotcha. using okay. lower revs. But every car does have a fire extinguisher, uh, which it. Okay, so coming on to equipment, so machine guns and flamethrowers and other things are activatable equipment. You can activate right. two things. You have to arm them, and then in a later turn, you use them. Okay. And you have two activations in a turn. So you can, at most, activate your fire extinguisher one turn, use it the next turn, activate again, use again. So you, you can get rid of one heat point per two turns, but that is eating one of your two activations that you can be using for yeah. blowing people oh, up. Oh, that's nicely done. Yeah, I like that. Okay, the balancing act. Yeah, um, and it also it has slightly odd ramming rules, uh, but <laughs> okay. they are at least relatively simple. Um, yeah, I, I remember the Cold War's collision table uh, all too well. Uh, yeah, me too. I still have <laughs> nightmares about that. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically, you, you can because it's 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 all racing and in lanes. You only have two sorts of collision. You can either ram someone from behind, which just does lots of damage. Yeah, okay. Or you can tap them from the side, side uh, which will okay. push them potentially and make maybe do a bit of damage. Right, but okay. If, if you ram from behind, you roll you roll one damage die per movement point you have left. Okay. <laughs> yes, okay. That that could be fun, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. I I like the sound of that. <laughs> generally you damage yourself only slightly less than you damage them. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> And I assume if you shunt them and you actually manage to shunt them into someone else, then you're potentially damaging a chain of vehicles. Is that possible? Potentially. It, it, potentially. It's, it's only one extra vehicle that can be damaged by that. Or oh, okay. You if can't, if right. the target space is blocked by a wall or something, then obviously you don't shove them into it, and instead you, there's a higher chance of damage. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Um, but, yeah, that, that's basically it. it it's set up. Uh, you've got two... Four, four permanent items which don't need to be activated, and some of those are things like armor, which just gives you more structure points, or okay. onboard computer just gives you more steering points. Right. Uh, there's a bumper for ramming from behind, which makes you slightly more likely to do damage. And what's the other one? Uh, the mine layer. Okay, right. And th- there are six cars, car dashboard cards in the box, and each of them has two of these. Right, okay. And it's the same with drivers. Uh, there, there are, everybody gets the rocket booster and the fire extinguisher without the option, because you're gonna need the fire extinguisher. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. And the rocket booster is fun. Um, and then it switches between, uh, two slots for flamethrower, machine gun, uh, the side bumper, and a, a circular saw that will do damage in that sort of collision. Right, okay. So you have some configurability of your vehicle at the... Yeah, it's a matter of choosing the car card and choosing the driver card. You don't swap in individual items, though I don't see any reason why you couldn't really, except it would be a bit boring if everybody chose the same thing. Yeah, okay, I see what you're saying, yeah, okay. So you just you choose randomly, or does it, you know, you roll player order and you pick... You could, I mean, I don't I don't think it makes a huge difference, to be honest. I, right, I, I okay. suspect if you, if you got a you know local group matter where everybody says, oh, well, you must have the machine gun because you can do this with it. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. You could, then, then you could have a, a drafting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, standard things apply with cornering, of course. You go on the inside; it, it, it's faster. Um, yeah. Rus- uh, Russian Crush does not have directional tiles. You can use them in either direction. 
So that gives you more flexibility okay. in what you can build. The um, snow tiles tiles are directional. So if if you go straight ahead into a corner, you will come out a lane or two lanes or three lanes just by carrying on straight ahead. You have to make lane changes to get through it. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, Russian Crush doesn't do that, but A, you want to be on the inside because it's shorter, and B, there is going to be an obstacle somewhere because there are obstacles all over this track. <laughs> <laughs> ah, okay, yeah. So, <laughs> not, not to mention you, you can wreck other, other races and they become obstacles as well. Yeah, okay. So is it play, there's potentially player elimination in both then? Yes. Right. Um, and did that, did that occur much? Or, or mm. d- does it happen early? Uh, my, I haven't seen my one much. concern with racing game with weapons is, you know, some, some poor unfortunate who happens to be the result of all the attacks gets wiped out, you know, on the first mm. straight. I haven't seen it. It probably could. E- you don't get one shot kills. I mean, e- even if you set yourself up perfectly and had perfect luck, um, it would take you, you know, activate, fire, activate, fire, fire okay, uh, yeah. four, t- four turns to do all the damage to somebody. And, that's, yeah, okay. and that's if you're sitting right behind them. Right. Yeah. And yes, yeah, so unlikely to happen. Oh, that's good. So, um, so. It, it is the the, the um, non-renewable resources mean that the, the length of the race is quite important. Um, they they normally recommend eight to ten tiles, either as a point-to-point race or uh, you know, four, four or five tiles in two laps. Right, okay. And you can do it a bit shorter, but that, but that's the recommended one, so, so that you will be hurting for resources by the end of it. Yeah, okay. Um, and Snowtails, it's the hand size that's the main resource. Okay, yeah, makes sense, yeah. And I think we played a fairly standard, one, one of the races from the book, and, well, I was definitely hurting by the end of it, but, but other people managed to win, so. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> So I, I have to be honest, I did play Snowtails once, I think the first edition many, many years ago, but we, we only played it once and it was the, I suppose the introductory course and I, I kind of enjoyed the mechanics, but the course as an introductory course was a bit dull. Mm, I think um, the people I was playing with had, had the same experience. They, they had played one which may well have been the same introductory course and it didn't really have much in the way of obstacles or turns. Yeah, there's hardly any that I remember. So it just, yeah, it introduced you to the mechanics, but it didn't make for the most exciting of race. Mm. Um, but unfortunately we only played it once, so, um, uh, then something else came along, but, um. Yeah, I, I am finding I'm, I, I'm playing a lot of racing games these days. I don't know why they just seem to be among the games that are appealing to me i think maybe because it's competition but it's not directly i have to get in your face to achieve anything yeah okay um but i'm not going to stop playing flam rouge or running man or running man gt or automobiles yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but i'm you know i'm definitely happy to add uh russian crush to the collection and if snow tails weren't so similar i'd be very tempted to add that too yeah also, yeah i've got him out of the two russian crush definitely appeals to me more just because of the guns but uh, it, it sounds like a more streamlined racing experience let's say than snow- the one thing i remember about snow tails i don't know if this is the case i always found it slightly counterintuitive because if I remember correctly, if the, let's say the dog on the left was moving a higher number, so essentially pulling faster, mm-hmm. the rules, if I remember correctly, were saying that you're actually, you're lane changing to the left. Yeah. Um, but of course, if the dog on the left is pulling faster, your sled would actually turn to the right. Yeah, I had to look at that. Uh, and that really threw me. <laughs> apparently the designers said, yes, but in, in playtest, 
they found people were getting even more confused by doing it the other way. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> so I, suppose, I suppose it depends on your grasp of physics. So mine is tenuous at best, but it still felt a bit <laughs> a bit strange. So, oh, that's yeah. still in there. That's interesting to know. So yeah. So yeah, um, snow tails I have heard of occasionally. Um, yeah. Mostly by people who were playing board games at the time and, and, and say, yes, this was a classic and I still have it. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I wasn't that involved in board games at that at this point. And I had never heard of Russian Crush until a um, friend, friend I went over to game with got it out. Goodness. And I'd, I'd never heard of it until you mentioned it. And now I want it and I want to play it. It sounds <laughs> fabulous. <laughs> it does have a slightly rubbish rule book. Um, ah, okay. Part of that, I think, is translation. Right, okay, yeah. Uh, but it's not as clear as it might be. So I have written a replacement rule set, which will be going up on BGG. <laughs> but of course, of course. I'd be <laughs> disappointed if you hadn't. <laughs> so, uh, Snowtails and Russian Crush. So, uh, one of the games that uh, I have been playing recently is uh, one of my long-term favourites, uh, Code Word Cromwell. Hmm. Um, which I'm afraid I couldn't tell you when it was published. I know it's by Daniel Hodges, um, and it was not kind of self-published, but by his company. Um, hmm. And I've definitely heard that it can can get hard to find. Uh, 2014 first came out. 2014, yeah, it's very hard to find, and it was and probably still is very expensive. Um, it was a lot of. It's probably the most expensive game I've ever purchased, but um, I have played it a lot. It's it's one a place in my heart. It's really, it's the theme of the game that just won me over. And I think when, wins a lot of people over. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, as, as someone who plays a lot of Euro games, I'm, you know, I'm quite happy for there to be a tacked on theme if the mechanics are good, but in a sort of double standard, if the game is theme first, I like some mechanics that support the theme. Mm. So slight contradiction there, but, um, yeah, Cobra- it, it, we, we've, Previously talk, talked on the podcast yes. about the abstraction gap. Yeah, when, absolutely. When, the, yeah. when you know, a really interesting theme and the mechanics have nothing to do with it. Yeah, which yeah, which can be the case of a lot of Euro games actually. So, yeah. but um, yeah, for some reason, if the mechanics are good, I'm happy for a tacton theme. But mm. other way around, not so. Um, Cobra Cromwell, for me, the theme does such a good job that it actually introduces mechanics that I'm otherwise not too keen on in games. Mm-hmm and actually works within the game. So uh, as a quick overall of the theme, uh, I'll try not to be too long, the idea being that the, um, the the British lost the Battle of Britain, Operation Sea Lion, the invasion of uh, Britain went ahead and was successful. <laughs> um, and this is looking at a particular little village, a quintessential English village called uh, Berkham Stokes, um, which actually put up a more spirited resistance than the invading forces expected mm-hmm. uh, and managed to hold out for a day or two. Um, and it's even a little bit more meta because as you read the, the rule book, you realise it's actually been presented as a series of instructions for an examination. And right. the idea is actually the game is a examination module that you're taking as someone who's applying to join the military after the, you know, the, the, the Germans won the Second World War joining the military of the essentially collaborating government. 
So <laughs> this is a module in the exam, which is really nice. Um, you know, it's a bit of a theme on top of theme, and mm. it also sets up nicely the mechanism for being assessed at the end of the game because you are sitting an examination essentially. So it builds up. So it, it, it is you do you do have a score, but it's not beat your own score game because there are win lose objectives. But if you mm. do win, because it's an examination, they can then say how well you did, and I really like that. So. Again, it's that little theme that makes, you yeah. know, just brings it to life for me. So, you know, you are being tested. So, because at the core, it is a tower defense dice chucker game. So, the, the German forces come in on the edge of the board. They're going to move in a straight line towards the church, which is in the middle. And if they ever get to the church, you lose the game. Yeah. So, classic tower defense. Um, and in order to stop them, you're going to have your units, you're going to put them in front of the German units, you're going to attack them, you're going to roll hods of dice for yourself, hods of dice for the Germans, five or six generally is a hit, um, and, and that's kind of the core of the game. So, you know, that, I'm, I'm that alone... I'm interesting parallel here, because I mean, think of one of the classics like uh, Castle Panic, um, which is similar, you know, they're, they're all advancing yeah. on the tower, but most of the interest there is in the monsters and the weird yes. powers the monsters have and, and the, the the things you can do are fairly restricted whereas in this I think you, you've got a lot more um, not only mechanical but thematic distinction yes. am- among your defending forces exactly and that's what makes it so interesting it's it, the village comes alive because uh, every counter is an individual villager mm-hmm. you do have collections of villagers like the pub regulars or the women's institute that form a collective you obviously have your kind of dad's army home guard who are a little bit more efficient than Captain Mannering's lot, but um Could you kindly oblige us with a brand gun, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. Don't panic with So there you all the units have you know, they're all individuals. And then of course the core of the game is the narrative book. Um which every turn events happen character events are called uh, you draw from a, a deck and then you you look up and it'll have a wonderful amount of flavor text about what's happening with this character, why this card is affecting them the way it is. Um, and there, there are over a hundred of them, I think something like that. So, mm. and you get to discover, you know, the personalities of the villagers, the, the history, you know, you discover without any spoilers that the sergeant and the mechanic, for example, that sorry, the sergeant, the constable and the, the car mechanic have a history. All these things come out as you play the game over time. And, mm. Because you're only drawing, I think the game lasts 16 turns most, you're only drawing 16 in a turn. There's, you know, it's going to take you a while to get through all of them. Right. So all of these things, even every single weapon that you draw will have a little narrative description about how it was employed on the, the day that the, it's been simulated in this examination. Mm. So all of this brings the village to life. It feels like somewhere that's inhabited. You know, you, you become uh, emotionally invested in, in the defenders. So, Yes, it's a tower defense dice chucker, but you know, you start caring when you're throwing the dice that, you know, is Lord Thorncroft with his blunderbuss going to be able to hold off the Germans, you know, until Sergeant Drake can come and defend him. So it brings out this sort of emotional investment in the narrative, which is what for me sets it, you know, makes it more than just a tower defense dice chucker. So yeah um, it's interesting because that, that sort of narrative depth usually is what something I look for in a role playing game. Yes, but I mean, how how many defenders have you got? I think it'd be more more than would be practical to have in in a full on RPG setting. Uh, absolutely, yeah. There are let's I don't know, definitely more than twenty. So yeah. some are more useful than others. Um, 
you know, some of them are just there to get in your way to some extent. And occasionally there's some that are just cannon fodder. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you just put them in front of the, the, the advancing forces to stop them until someone useful can come and deal with them. So, um, but the, the, what I like, one of the reasons why I played it so much is it gives you that kind of space to form your own narratives because after a while, uh, you know, you've, I've gone through the cards, not necessarily all of them, but a lot of them. Mm. Um, I just draw the cards. I now stop. I've long stopped reading the book. One to kind of speed up play, but also because I'm kind of familiar with. So, I, you know, I'll make up my own reasons in my head. You know, I think, okay, well, I've drawn this card that says these two characters are now incapacitated, um, which is a way of taking them out of the game for a little while um, because they're having an argument or be- whatever. So it gives you the space to actually come up with your own little stories um, rather than just necessarily sticking to the what's written in the book every time. So... Hmm. You know, it uh, reminds me a little bit actually of uh, Firefly, which um, standard disclaimer: nobody is going to call this a model of mechanical elegance. Um, yeah, <laughs> but one of, one of the things it does, and one of the reasons I like it, is it gives you the building blocks, but then you can you can construct your own story through the gameplay of what actually happens to these characters on this occasion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, which is I I enjoy that very much when it's done in the game. So, because Firefly, I mean, again, you don't really need to. Have, watch the TV series to build up the stories. You just need to have a vague understanding of the characters to some extent. Yeah, I mean, um, some of them are just fairly straightforward thugs. Some of them are a bit more complex. But, you know, this, this is TV-level characterization. Yeah, yeah. With so, no, which no is essentially... intended. You, you can't do stuff that <laughs> you do in a book. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you don't have the space to do that. Which is essentially the same with Cromwell, because you, you get a feel from the characters having read through the character cards for a couple of times, and you realise that, you know, the shopkeeper is a fairly mean-spirited gossip you know so mm. once you've once that that's established that character then you in later games you can sort of riff on that as to why she's doing certain actions so yeah um and uh, one of the other things that it does just thinking pure the theme overcoming mechanics i'm not keen on this is it is actually a roll and move game so when you decide to activate a unit you have to roll a die they have a movement value and if you roll under that they can move and they roll the numbers that you've they move the number of spaces that you've rolled. If you've rolled over that, they don't move. Mm. Now, I hate roll and move. I absolutely detest roll and move. But it works in this game because it is these are normal people in a little tiny rural Indian village who are having to respond to something completely extraordinary uh, being, you know, sort of the invasion of, of, of Britain. Yeah. No one knows how they're going to react. And, of course, no one – you don't have sort of a omnipotent, military control of everything that's going on so you might want sergeant drake to head over to the school to help out and you know someone might ask him to do that but whether he's going to do that whether he's going to get there we might give up halfway or he might go and suddenly see there's trouble at the picket cricket pitch and stop there to help out so mm. the roll and move actually works so well, well for that for the tremendously theme. frustrating Oh, absolutely. The number of times, you know, you've, you've, you, you want someone to get somewhere and that, you know, you roll a one. And it's like, oh, brilliant. They've been distracted by you or they got pinned down by some fire in the woods on the way over to the farmhouse. So, um, but you know, it works so well within the theme. And that to me was a, just shows how well the theme's done that I'm actually prepared to overlook mechanics that I normally don't like. <laughs> so, uh, and it seems to be the case for others who enjoy this game. I don't think I'm alone in this. I think most people that have played this, have, you know, enjoy the stories it tells so much that they happen to, you know, they don't look at the mechanics and saying, okay, well, this is actually bringing down the game for me. It's like, oh, it fits in with the theme. So, yeah, I know uh, Jessica Breaker of Wallets 
um, did a fairly comprehensive write-up on Re- on the Gameboy Bound side. Yeah, which was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I, I came out of that wondering, and I think you're answering it, is that's great for a single play. How uh, how much variability do you get in repeated plays? But you're, you're clearly hanging on to it. So yeah, me um, for me, it's um, you get the different stories and. Because there is a lot of randomness, because obviously there is a lot of dice chucking, it means that, you know, every game is different. You know, you could have one game where you have one of your key units that's rolling phenomenally well for movement and they draw really good weapons and they're rolling really well in combat. Um, and the next game, you know, they could do absolutely nothing and someone else has to step up to fill the gap. So, so, I mean, so it's not, the story it's, of who's going to be the hero might, might well, might well might change. change. Yeah. And where they are. And, um, it, you know, it's not something that I would play every week but i play it sort of four or five times a year it has now that familiar familiarity i I actually like it was really helpful for me during lockdown as well the the village is familiar the people familiar it was Mm. almost like you know going back to somewhere that i'm you know went on holiday with as a child which obviously you know it's a completely fictitious place and i never went on holiday where you know uh, the place was being invaded but um it has that kind of familiarity to me now which is it's nice to revisit it and see what's going to happen this time Mm. Uh, um, look, looking at the geek market, I see recent prices between 100 and 200 of whatever currency. Yeah, yeah. As to whether it's worth that, you know, how do you attach value to something? So, I mean, the components are fantastic. The board is just ludicrously oversized. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's lovely to look at on the table. It really doesn't need to be big. Um, the cards are lovely, big cards, although bizarrely, um, they have no text on them. Um, just a number. So um, you have to kind of look up stuff in the book where you might not necessarily be needing to. There is, there's a little um, push up mechanic where you, you can draw a strategy card. You can either take a British one or a German one, um, uh, which influences um, a, a die roll to determine how well the invasion is going. The other way you can lose the game is if the, the essentially the, the invasion of Britain is complete. Um, there's mm. an invasion track. These card influence that. Um, and then you, but the actual modifier is literally, it will be, you draw a card and it would be, you know, plus two to the German roll or plus two to the British roll. That's not printed on the card. It just needs a little plus one, plus two, minus one, minus two. So you have to go to the book to look to see it's plus one, plus two. That's, you know, that's slightly irritating that, mm. you know, they could, given the, the size of the cards, they could have easily put the little modifier on it. So. Um, I suppose for if if they're changing stuff late in playtesting, that it would be easier to redraft the book than to get the cards reprinted. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. So I, I actually, because I've now completely ruined the resale value of my game, not that I would ever get rid of it, and I've actually now written in Dodd's hand um, the pluses on the card, so massively devaluing the game, but it makes my life easier when playing. So, um, so I there is one one small. Apart from that, one small criticism I have for the game um, is um, there's a mechanic with the, there's a, a, a fifth columnist in the village, a German supply to an engineer who's codenamed Chaplin. Mm. And there, there's a little sub game where you're looking to try and find out who the chaplain is. Um, and if the chaplain's not revealed by the very last turn of the game, which represents the, the, the big final push on the village where there's a kind of exceptional rules. If you haven't found him by then, the the invading forces have a massive advantage. Mm. Um, the way the game's clearly been des- designed is the idea is as the character events unfold, 
certain characters do actions which make them persons of interest, which make them slightly suspicious, yeah. and potentially one of them could be revealed as the chaplain. Um, however, there, the constable has a um, ability where he can actually try and interrogate people and find out if they are the chaplain. So what everyone does who plays the game a few times is you assemble a huge bunch of, of villagers who aren't key some of them are more important than others you know some of the lesser guys who aren't so combat useful mm-hmm. you assemble them with the constable and then you keep you do the constable's role every turn to see if he can identify one of them as the chaplain um if he does you then can then try and kill the chaplain or capture him ah, um, so, so it's not a matter of you you drew a chit and it's in an envelope or something it, it, it yeah it, it could come up randomly it could come up randomly, yeah. So basically, and this is a console's ability to sort of send, preempt that happening later in the game. So mm. once you realise how disastrous it is if, if the chaplain isn't revealed or escapes, and I've, I've seen this on the forums in Jessica Games as well, that's what everyone does. You, you bring everyone together and eventually you'll find the chaplain probably, depending on the die rolls, within the first three or four turns, when, of course, that's the early days of the German mm. uh, activity in the village. So the pressure is off, so you can take the time to do that. Yeah. So clearly that's not what they intended. Um, but there isn't, you know, I've been talking to some people on the forums. We haven't really come up with a decent solution to that. Um, so you, that's the one thing where you are gaming the system. Um, mm. And you would not do that because the, the risk of not having the chaplain revealed is huge on the final turn of the game. So so that's perhaps my one criticism of the uh, of a game that I otherwise love. So. Okay. Uh, I've also been playing... Um, very much, uh, I suppose this still technically counts as Cult of the New, um, from 2018, just one, uh, party word game. Basic idea is you, you've got uh, a card which the active player turns up and everybody else gets to see, but they don't. It's got five nouns on it. Everybody has to come up with a one-word clue, separately and secretly. They reveal them to each other. Any that are duplicates get removed. And anything that's left, the active player has to try to guess from. Uh, it's a fully cooperative game, so um, you, you do 13 cards, and it, it, in, its, in essence, it's a score yourself against this child. Yep, okay. And there's not a lot to it. it it's, it's a good, easy-to-learn people who don't really know games that much, but it's all, it also has something to offer the more serious gamer. Um, yep. the, 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 it, I, th- I think it's probably, probably a basic game design theory thing that I've just come up with, but the, the uh, challenge <laughs> is not do the thing as well as you can, but thread the needle between the one extreme of something so obvious that someone else will have thought of it and the other extreme of something so obscure that it won't make sense. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And, so. and I think games that require you to hit that sort of medium are... are more interesting than just do the thing as well as you can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And uh, full disclosure, I have actually uh, played this several times with, with you at various meetups. Um, so I'm, I am familiar with the game and mm. um, yeah, I, I, I enjoy it for exactly the same reasons that you say. So the, the only problem I have with it is that possibly, I, I don't know whether this is because it was not written by native English speakers, Ludwig Rudin, Bruno Sutter. Um, the, 
exact what is a legal clue what what counts as a duplicate it's not just the exact same spelling of the word of a word it can be you know um queen and queenly would count as duplicates yeah and it, there's a it's tricky because that's obviously a thing you can't involve all the players in who whoever's um given the clue has to has to sit out of that discussion and and you yeah have to and try, try potentially to doesn't want to hear hear the discussion because yeah. that could be giving clues away yeah yeah so that that bit is potentially um as a slight awkwardness but otherwise it it's a filler it doesn't take long um yeah I've, i mean in the games i played with you that's never really been an issue as in everyone is invested in the game and you know it, quite happily but if someone puts queen and queenie in my experience most people have been happy well we'll just discard that without mm. I, I i've yet to come across someone go well actually so i think that the more games i've played the more the more i go in favor of all oh, right if in doubt discard yeah yes exactly yeah yeah i think that's a, that's a good approach so. so yeah no not a whole lot to it and it has the standard problem of you get these dry erase pens and all dry erase pens sooner or later i'm going to find the good dry erase pens and i'm just going to buy <laughs> a whole lot of them and use them for every game that needs them yeah okay i'm not so sure they exist but uh... <laughs> it's um the, the, for me because i mean i've i've it probably sounds a bit dismissive but it's not intended i think of it as a sort of party game insofar as as you say it's it's something to easily introduce to non-gamers as well as to you know sort of more you know, mm. to gamers everyone seems to enjoy it um but but also what makes as a fella, it, you know is somebody else going to arrive for this pub meet not sure yeah let's play let's yeah play exactly this. let's It'll play this for minutes. a yeah which is yeah it's a nice filler but um what, what elevates it for me for a lot of party games is one it's cooperative um i've i've Bizarrely found in my experience playing party games with people who actually aren't really gamers, there's one or two who generally get quite competitive. Mm. Um, so of course, cooperative completely ignores that. And the fact that you have to remove the duplicates, that, that to me elevates it to, you know, being something quite exceptional. Yeah. Um, I think it would, you know, if you kept the duplicates, it would be far too, dis- you know, I think it would be far too easy for a start. So, so I like that. That has an element of, you know, well, I need to think of something that's obvious, but not too obvious. So I, I really enjoyed that when I played it. Yeah. And as the player count goes up, it, it slightly changes the flavor of it. But I think the overall difficulty probably stays about the same. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. It's uh, with more people, I found more duplicates, but then, there's always there's enough people left that there are. Mm. Although I have played a couple of rounds, I think over at your place where you know there's, there's five five people are giving clues and four have been eliminated with mm-hmm. just leaving the the poor guess with one clue, which is well, always entertaining, it, but for the wrong reasons. So. Yeah. Well, in the three player variant, uh, you give two clues each, and I, <laughs> I, I have seen. I'm imagining this. I've seen that end up with zero clues. Yeah, I was just thinking I could imagine that. <laughs> That would be funny. Or I did a stupid thing and put the same clue twice and it weaves. <laughs> yeah. no, even without that, we managed to get... Uh... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's impressive, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, the other game that I've been playing uh, recently is um, Godzilla Tokyo Cla- Cra- Crash. Crash. Tokyo Clash. Um, mm-hmm. And sticking with uh, code word Cromwell, um, essentially, it's a game that's the theme does it for me um and again it's a game where for me the mechanics work well with the theme um and i i know you've you've 
played this once uh, yeah. over at my place, so you're you're familiar with the game. But for for any listeners who haven't come across this, um, it's uh, obviously it's a game about battling kaiju in Tokyo. Um, I'm a huge fan of the sort of the the, the shower era Godzilla films, which are kind of from the the original in '54 through to the very cheesy '60s, '70s, early '80s ones. Mm. Uh, I've always been keen to try and find a game that captures that and haven't really come across that. Um, there was one game earlier from the, the noughties, Godzilla Kaiju Wars, uh, which had some potential, but was actually, I found it quite fiddly. There was a lot of upkeep um, and tended to just to be sort of creatures standing in front of other, just smashing away um, until someone went down. Whereas, you know, in the, in the actual the, the film, certainly the cheesy ones, you know, monsters are being thrown into buildings and cars are being thrown. Godzilla Tokyo Class does that. And I, yeah, I don't really... The thing that particularly struck me is you, you can't just go after the other monsters. You have to smash buildings and stuff as well. Yes. Yeah. Which I thought was a nice touch. I, I know some people have criticized. So, um, just very brief recap. You, you have a, this asymmetric game. You have a set of cards for each monster and to power the cards, you have to have energy and you only get energy from destroying buildings, hmm. but you don't get victory points. Uh, if you attack other kaiju, you get victory points, but no energy. So you, there's that balancing mechanic, which I really like. Yeah. Some people have said it's a bit upsetting that you can't directly attack the buildings. So, for example, if you want to trash a building, you have to throw another kaiju or a vehicle into it. You can't just go up and smash it, um, which, mm. you know, occasionally did happen when they went on the rampage. Um, but some, you know, other people have argued that in the films, well, they were only smashing buildings and as they were approaching each other. And then when they saw each other, they were focusing on bashing the, the, the living producers out of each other. So it, It's an odd thing to leave out. I mean, I can see why it's a design decision, but it feels like a design decision to me rather than, well, you know, if, if you started with a simulation engine and tried to cut it down, well, obviously you'd be able to bash buildings. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So it's definitely, it is a compromise, I think, to get the, to get the playability over, I'd say, realism. That's definitely not applied here, but you know, you know what I mean. Uh, playability over theme, if you will. So, And since, since this is one of the um, uncredited Prospero Hall uh, games they they have made it look gorgeous and all, all yes. the productions they work on they they do that they've got a lot of the original artwork yep um that that comes together very well indeed yes it certainly helps bring the theme across and the you know the 3d buildings that you you, you you know eventually the board gets removed from all the buildings as you trash them and the kaiju figures are lovely so all of it helps capture the theme a little bit so um yeah it's just something that for me I'm, it's perhaps not the the perfect representation of those Godzilla films, but it's the closest one that I've come across in the board game. Mm. Um, so it's something that I really, really enjoy playing. And it seems to be popular with people who aren't so, you know, sort of daft about Godzilla films as I am. Because <laughs> uh, it, you know, it, it doesn't play too long. It doesn't outstay its welcome. I don't think it's fairly, you know, it's probably about an hour, an hour and a half of just concentrated smashing which most people enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also have, you have, you pick two events um, for each game. So it has a lot of re- replayability. The board is, the layout is random and the events are essentially the, the pathetic humans trying to intervene with you. So it'll be like tanks or battleships. And just like the Godzilla films, they're never going to destroy you. They're just there as an irritant, mm. but um, you know, the, you can use them to your advantage or to disadvantage. Um, and, the the other thing I particularly like about it is the fact that when you score victory points by attacking a kaiju, you 
uh, take cards from their deck. You look at cards from their deck and then you take cards uh, with, with a value based on how much damage you've done. Mm. So not only are you accruing victory points, but you're then actually reducing your opponent's abilities to fight back, which I, I think is quite... It's an, it's an interesting mechanic, so... But it's nicely balanced. It's even if one kaiju happens to be ganged up on by everyone, they're still going to have enough cards in their deck to do things. They're always going to have options. Yeah. Um, but I, I do like the fact that you know, as, as you get wailed away, your options become a little bit more limited. So. Hmm. I. I. Trying to remember. It, it's been been a while since I played this. It your place. was a while. Yeah. <laughs> and. I, I remember getting the feeling that the, that it could easily be a death spiral if if you if you lost the wrong cards. But on the other hand, I didn't in the end, so that may just yeah. be my worrying about it. Um, I, I've never seen that happen. There's enough variety in the deck that I've never ever seen that happen. I think you would really have to have a game where essentially you had everyone was just intentionally focusing all their attacks on someone else, which really isn't in the spirit of the game. Yeah. Um, sort of deliberately uh, for that to happen. You know, normally what happens is you, you see the stack of someone's victory point debt. You can't look at the someone's victory point debt, but you can certainly see how many cards in it. So it's, a, you know, there is a, well, he's got more cards, so I'm going to go after him. And then all of a sudden someone else has more cards and you go after them. So, so yeah, theoretically it could happen. I've never seen it happen in any of the games I've played. Mm. So the... The only thing that I probably would say is you really have to have four players, the maximum player count for the game to be fun. It doesn't work as a three-player game for, I know, reasons you've said with some other games where, you know, two people start fighting, that's immediately benefiting the third person. If someone can keep out of the way of two, they're probably going to stand a good chance of winning the game just by the occasional sniping attack. doesn't work with two, doesn't play solo. So you really... For the game to shine, you have to have the full four player count in my experience. Yeah. Um, to the point that I actually wouldn't play it with three. Definitely not with two, you know. If... Yeah, uh, going by BGG, the, the manufacturer says two to four, the community says three to four and best with four. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it, yeah, I played it with three and I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. Unless someone was absolutely passionately keen to play it, I would, I would, you know, sort of say, well, let's keep it and play it with four some other time, so. Though, though I should, should point out that, um, 18 out of 31 voters said, um, had, had a vote for more than four and three of them said recommended or best, so. Okay. Well, <laughs> fair enough. <sir. laughs> Um, but yeah, it's it's something I always enjoy playing. Is it's quick, it's fun, it's silly. You get to destroy things and bash people about. Um, so yeah, it's it's a game I'm I'm glad I got. Um, mm. Doesn't get a huge amount of outing, but you know when it does, everyone seems to enjoy it. Um, yeah, and I suppose like a lot of games, because it's not one of the you know ten huge ones of that month. Uh, I, I've essentially never heard of it except via you. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I it, I, it, one of the things I, I like to do here is um, yeah, g- give a bit of air to something that you know, is not bad. It just didn't didn't get as much fuss made out about it because something else came out. Seven yeah, absolutely. Later. Yeah, it, it, this is it. Or you know, people are interested in a theme or whatever. You know, so yeah, it, it definitely slipped under the radar. Apart from you know, Godzilla fans, mm. uh, all three of us. Um, 
So um, yeah, it's it yeah, it's something I'm glad I've got. I can definitely see it. You know, my collection. It would be lovely if they had it had a solo mode, so I could play it a little bit more. Someone did do a variant on the on the Geek, which I tried, which was okay, but not enough to make me want to play it a lot. Mm. So there, there probably is something that could be done there, but um, you know, I'm not a game designer, so that's beyond me. But, um, yeah, I mean, you you would need some sort of um, enemy monster that you could attack and that would attack you, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Or you could just uh, yeah. say, well, let, let's just turn those the, turn those attack rules into building attack rules and, and just smash the city on your own. And, and smash you, destroy the city, do, do a yeah. rampage-style game. Yeah, that could be quite fun. So I have played it multi-hand solitaire when I first got the game because it was during lockdown to learn the rules. But mm. uh, again, that doesn't really work because, you know, it's hidden decks. Everyone has their own deck. So, you know, you can't really – you have to forget – um, what the other players have got, if you can, yeah. which is easier if you're me at my age, but, um, you know, it's, it's not <laughs> yes, something I, I do too I, frequently. I find this worryingly easy these days. Yeah, I'm looking forward to revisiting some of my old war games that, you know, I have to play two handed <laughs> that I haven't played for years because I can't do that. It's like, okay, well, as I get older, <laughs> it's easier to forget. <laughs> okay, so that's Godzilla Tokyo Clash. <laughs> recently talked about Sentinels of the Multiverse, which I was rather fonder of than Lee. So, also, Albert Hernandez of the One Player Podcast uh, recently had a segment about the old edition of Sentinels of the Multiverse, which I have not played. And so I thought it might might be uh, interesting to invite him on. Hello, Albert. Hey, how are you doing? Thank you for having me on. And, because otherwise we'd be just talking past each other to invite uh, Nick Marsh... Hello. Who who has played quite a bit of both versions? The, the latter, I have to admit, mainly with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wasted much of my life and far too much of my money on Sentinels of the Multiverse. So, if you don't know the game already, uh, we've talked about it on More Games Than Time, and I've talked about it on One Player Podcast. So, possibly, I'll, I'll put in links. You should possibly go and listen to those episodes first, because we're not going to cover the basics of what the game is about. But more interesting here is. How do the different editions differ? And is it worth upgrading? I, I promise not to try to make Nick spend mm-hmm. money. <laughs> I, I hope personally that the answer is no, it's not worth upgrading because otherwise I have to go get in a, my new version as soon as we finish this. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> uh, so just the, the very quick history, uh, the, Original edition came out in 2011, I think, and had a series of expansions ending with Oblivion in 2018. I think there was a, a like first edition before the original edition. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So technically, the one we have is second edition or something. Uh, and everybody, including the publishers, thought that that was going to be it. Yeah. And then opinions differ on exactly why and when they made the decision, but it yeah, having, getting all the money from Spirit Island can't have hurt. <laughs> uh, would do that. And so they did the Kickstarter for the definitive edition box in uh, April of 2021. That arrived in January of this year with me. Uh, in March of this year, they did the Kickstarter for the first expansion, Rook City Renegades, which hasn't hasn't arrived yet. Yes, I forget how many expansions there were for the 
uh, the the well, we we'll call it the original. Um, uh, but I I I spent far too much money on the absolute splurging of the final Oblivion mm. Kickstarter, mm-hmm. and so I ended up with a huge tomb-like box, which is bigger than the Gloomhaven box, absolutely <laughs> full wow. of cardstock, which is basically about as portable as my house is. <laughs> so, mm. I, I have I have a big of. box of Star Realms like that, which I have basically never taken to a game because. It's huge. I couldn't couldn't take anything mm-hmm. else. Yes, yeah, that is the problem with it. Yeah. I, I bought I bought the Oblivion expansion too when it was in Kickstarter, but I avoided that big box simply because mm. it's just it's too big for the shelves. I, I got right. yeah. I got Ogre when that was on Kickstarter, the giant mm-hmm. Ogre edition. And after that, I said, you know what? I don't really need a giant game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's no place for a giant game. Mine in my is house. currently under the stairs, which is the only <laughs> game. That, it's, like, it's, it's the only place I can put it without risk of um, death if it falls off somewhere. <laughs> So, what, one logistical thing, which, uh, I know they've, I don't know about committed to, but certainly said this is currently their plan, is they're not going to do these small box expansions. And I gather that at least some of that is because of a shift in how the retail works. Right. Uh, if you've got the game and the expansion, a lot of shops want to put them on the shelf next to each other rather than, you know, up here is the game and then down there on the table is, is the uh, expansions for it and so on. And then there's also always going to be someone who buys the expansion as the original. Actually, hmm. all these expansions, as I recall, at least in the original game, would have probably worked as standalone because you've got heroes and villains and environments, which is basically all you yeah. need. You, you it, probably it would get missing the counters. Yeah, yeah, that was the only difference. Yeah, I believe... Um, did, was there any sort of dependency of one expansion on another? No, not no, at all. No, they were they were all standalone, really, as as far as I can, yeah. Because one of the things they they've um, mentioned with uh, definitive edition is because the expansions are going to be in fewer big boxes. Mm. Uh, they've said, well, for example, that Rook City Renegades is going to have some variants for the heroes in the core set. But they, prob- yes. but they probably aren't going to have, you know, expansion number two with variants for Rook City Renegades heroes, because that would then require you to need expansion, have to expansion two and the core set, and they're, they're trying uh, to avoid that. So in the theory, game, yeah, I believe a lot of the variants sort of started out as promos and things like that, mm-hmm. and then they were almost impossible to get hold of, which is how they got me to get the Tomb of Doom because you got everything that was ever printed <laughs> and all the variants mm-hmm. of every hero. Even the promos and everything. Yeah. Which, so, none of that is necessary, right? Like you, we no. already said, you, you could play with just the base game or just a couple expansions if you supply your own counters. And yet, you want to get all those little yeah. variants and mm-hmm. characters and whatnot just, just to get it all. The original... I mean, I think the new version, you'll have to correct me here, Roger, because you're our sort of new version expert. <laughs> but the original was quite a generous game just in the core set. Um... I suppose the limitation was you only got four villains in the original, and the villains really give, I think, most of the flavour to each game you're playing, so they can get a bit samey. Four's four's still quite generous compared to some games nowadays. But is is it is it six in the new version? Uh, yeah, six villains, six environments, and twelve individual heroes, of which, yeah. as before, you're playing between three and five in any given game. I, I always felt it was quite a generous game in that respect, but but as you say, Albert, it's just I don't know. It gets the completionist thing, doesn't it? You, you really <laughs> yeah. want all the yeah. Yeah, there, there are games I'm all out. Yeah, yeah. 
there are games I've avoided buying into because I know I would want to buy all of it. Mm. Yep. And, and you know, the irony is that when I have a game with all these different expansions, I don't want to play the expansions because they add complexity to the game yeah. and it's just, I gotta learn all these expansions. So I'm just gonna, and I haven't played the game in a while, so I'm just gonna learn the base game and play that and then I never get around to the expansions. With Sentinels though, that is different because yes. you could just throw in any deck and it doesn't add the deck may be complex, potentially, yes. and add some complexity to that, but the, all the rules are still the same exact, and you don't have to learn anything new. Absolutely, yeah, that's that's a, a really nice thing about Sentinels. That yeah. Anyone can pick up a deck and, and play. Uh, you know, you wouldn't suggest they pick up the Argent Adept as their first deck or whatever, but it's... <laughs> uh, it, but, it, yeah, they're all... Uh, that's what I really like about it. In, in some ways, the only problem I suppose I found with the original, which I'm interested in... Well, no, there were other problems with the original. There was kind of... It's not quite feature creep, but power creep in that the later heroes, I felt, tended to be a bit more powerful compared to the earlier ones. They, the early ones were still very playable, but Legacy, for instance, is really dull to play after a while compared to some of the other support classes that are much better later. Like the Argent Adept, who basically fulfills the same function, but is much more fun to play. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But more complicated, yeah. Yeah, yeah, way more complex. I, so I don't know if what is their stated aim for the the new edition? What what are they trying to do with it? What why why should we buy the new edition? <laughs> Roger? Not that I <laughs> not that I well, you know, as, as I say, I, I I have played the old edition, but only once, uh, which was when they were about to do the Kickstarter for the new ones, because I wanted to see if, if I liked the game at all before mm. before I got into it. Um, but one of the major things they were talking about there was to try to have um basically get get straight into the fun stuff so you know you still have a hero who needs to build up their things but the idea was you would have fewer turns with i don't really have very much to do or it's quite obvious what i should do and more yeah. in which you're making hard decisions and of course uh, new art cuz the the it, it is the same artist who's been doing it all along it's Adam Rabataro, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, he he, he would down. be the first to say he has said that he's learned an awful lot since he started yeah. drawing. Well, he's very down on his original artwork, and kind of <laughs> I, I I can't help but feel there's an element of um, I, and I I I say that based on the podcast. Is it the letters page mm-hmm. the podcast? Because he's he's really saying, oh, I'm so embarrassed about. And uh, yeah, some of them are not great, but I feel a lot of it is sort of. I don't know, an artist looking back on their own work and cringing a bit when it's not really that bad for everyone else, probably. I will yeah, I've ad- never had a problem with it. No. <laughs> yeah. One of the things I really like about it is the way um, even I, as not particularly a comics reader, can see, okay, this this is that classic 80s style and th- this is that classic 50s style and for the same character. Yes. So, yeah, you you get that sense of there is a history of this uh, oh, there are all these comics I haven't read, which, yes. which is very, very much the way I felt as a kid when you know I would borrow somebody's issue of Batman or whatever. Well, that, what I like about all the quotes at the bottom of Sentinels is they're all they all reference a particular issue of comic or a, a particular comics mm. event. Um, that I don't know. It'll, they know we're all completionists, aren't they? They're just, they're just <laughs> poking at that. Uh, 
that thing. That's because they are completionist too, I'm sure. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes. You know, I have never read all those quotes along the bottom, honestly. I no, understand I... they tell a story, but yeah. I have no idea what it is. I, I think well, it's more of a, this is the flavor of either what that character is or what they're doing at this particular moment with, when they're <laughs> playing this card, but yeah. I, I'm with you, Albert. I must say, I always think, oh, this really interesting. I should read more of those. When the game's going on, I'm kind of into the game and I'm not interested in the flavour text at that <laughs> yep. point. So just, yeah. <laughs> Though I, on a related subject, I advised Roger, I had, talking about the Letters Page podcast, I, I had started listening to it because they go in, into very in-depth backstory of each character. And I started listening to it and then I found it was actually lessening my enjoyment of the game because I preferred mm. it to be this kind of nebulous, open-ended thing, uh, rather than them defining, particularly when a lot of the characters, frankly, are, are, are knockoffs of, <laughs> of very fam- more famous characters. Thoroughly and I inspired by. Thoroughly inspired <laughs> by, which I don't mind. In fact, I think is great, but when they well, start that, that, giving it, it them... makes it very accessible. It does, yeah. But, uh, but when they start kind of giving them the backstory as if they'd written the character, it, it slightly irks me a bit, I must say, when... That when Guys has got a huge backstory when he's basically just, um, oh my goodness, the, the Merc with the Mouth, I've forgotten his name, uh, he's a knockoff Deadpool. of that character. Deadpool, thank you very much. Uh, now, is the backstory basically the same as Deadpool's or is it entirely different sort of thing? Uh, they change a lot, but yeah, um, not quite. Like, for instance, Hacker, who is basically a Hulk character, they made very different and they made his temperament very different and he, he, he wasn't um, and they were a bit annoyed that like oh, uh, you know, he's not just a Hulk um, oh. well, he is though, so don't <laughs> pretend that he isn't in fact, the, the fact that he is is very helpful for people when you're saying, which hero shall I play? Saying, well, Hacker's a bit like Hulk, Legacy's a bit like Superman, you know, it's mm-hmm. just it, I found it a very useful shorthand but I, I did get slightly irritated the short answer is yes, they gave them quite different backstories and pretended Wraith wasn't a Batman alike, um, and it just, it felt I found it a bit frustrating in the end, so I advise Roger not to listen to the podcast um. Yeah, and I, I did feel a bit of that, I, I listened to two or three episodes, and yeah, it was quite fun, but I'm not going to do the deep dive on this, because part of the fun for me is that I don't know yeah. all, the, all the backstory, when I'm playing Wraith I'm, I'm a role player, so is Nick um this is this is my version of Wraith. It, it's you know there there are going to be in jokes that are based mm-hmm. on my previous plays, in effect, rather yes. than some some official um, book of backstory. Yeah, but I think one of the strengths of Sentinels is you can be like, all right, you know, this character is Captain Cosmic. He's basically Green Lantern. You know, if you want to try him, then I, I, those little shorthands are quite helpful for people picking which character to pick. Mm. But I suppose they need yeah. to know comics a bit as well. That's yeah. true. If you don't know the Marvel Universe or DC Universe sort of stuff, it doesn't mean a thing. It does, that's true. Though that's true. I don't, and I still have at least some vague idea of what that implies. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Um, okay. Yeah, one one thing I would like to note, I mean, it, it seems quite trivial, but comparing old versus new cards, I do find the layout an awful lot cleaner, and maybe that shouldn't really matter as much as it does to me, but just the, the, the choice of text size and spacing, it, I, I'm finding it much easier to see a card that maybe I haven't seen before and instantly parse what I'm meant to do with it. Okay. Did, did you find that problem before, Albert, with the original... I mean, yeah, it's it, it's tedious when you have a lot of cards and you got to go through each card slowly, reading the text to see if it yeah. 
if it has a start of turn effect or end of turn effect or whatnot. And, you know, they, they sold those markers that you could buy separately. It was just a bag of little cardboard shits that you could put on mm. each card saying is a start of turn effect or end of turn effect. Yeah. Um, and that helps a lot, but there's still a lot of manual bookkeeping you got to do with that, right? Just to throw a twist in the whole thing, right? They also came out with Sentinels of Earth Prime recently, oh, yes. which just yeah, came out. Yeah, I never out. got that in the end. So that's... Yeah, so that's, I think that's brand new and just hit retail in the last couple of months. Okay. And it's compatible with the old version. Not the new version necessarily, because my understanding is that the gameplay is uh, balanced differently. It's but, broadly compatible, but they don't, they don't recommend it. Okay. But then the cards, I think, are cleaned up and all that text is cleaned up. So the cards will tell you very clearly beginning of turn effect or end of turn effect on the mm-hmm. cards. Okay. Yeah, and but I think that's sort of a bridge between the two. Like, okay. th- things that used to be a start of turn have, have become there is a start phase when these, those, these things happen. Uh, yeah, so I suppose it is a bit more laid down. Rather, it, it's it's really it's really clearly start phase, uh, end phase. Yeah. I yes, that's true. That was a bit. It, it just sort of said at the end of turn. So it is. Uh, I, I, the problem is, I knew Sentinels so well, the old <laughs> Sentinels. I, it, it doesn't feel like that was a problem anymore. So I'm trying to remember what it was like uh, at the beginning. Yeah, um, and there, there is. Um... They, they've defined a bunch of pro words like collect or discover or whatever, which, which expands to, you know, search through your deck until you get one of these cards and then put it into your hand or put it into play or whatever. Um, yeah, it's very magic style kind of keywords instead of mm-hmm. just Wh- telling you what to do. Which is very nice from the point of view of, you know, it's going to be one of this relatively small range of effects uh, and you don't have to lay out the text on the card every time. The slight disadvantage, as far as I'm concerned, is that it's not immediately obvious, particularly if you play lots of other games and haven't played Sentinels for a few weeks. Uh, which, oh, hang on, which ones discover again and which ones collect? I mean, there, there is a I, reference I think, on the back of the book, but... I, th- I suppose that's my slight issue with it. In the original Sentinels, everything you need to know was on the card, whether it was laid out or not. Um, now it says discover one card. Um, and I... Well, for instance, let me, um, like, uh, collect, for instance, is one of the keywords, and it's search your deck for the indicated amount and put them in your hand. Um, I, I guess that's fine, but I, I do, I do find some of them, for instance, one, collect is put them in your hand, salvage, uh, is put them in your hand, but summon is search the deck and the trash, play the cards you found and shuffle it. I suppose mm. what I'm trying to get across there is that the keywords, as Roger was saying as well, they're not intuitively, ah, that's that one, that makes sense. You, mm-hmm. you really do have to look them up every time. And they are, confusingly to me, they're slightly different effects in the newer version than the older version. <laughs> and so I think, oh, I know what discover means, and then it turns out I'm wrong because I'm just remembering what you used to be able to do, which isn't quite the same. Uh, so that's a good reason not to try and own both versions. Just, just yeah, confusing exactly, between yes. the two. I'm, I'm, sa- I'm saving you money there, Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Sentinels of Earth Prime is, I think had some of those keywords. I don't specifically remember which one's in there, but you right. mentioned like the collecting stuff, and I remember getting yeah. really confused, but I've never seen this. What does this mean? Having to go slow down and go through the book and find it. Yes. And then coming to go, oh, yeah, this is just like, you know, draw a card or whatever the term was. Exactly, the, yes. the, the ones you used, it sounded like they almost did a weird job of coming up with a lot of different words that all mean similar things. Like it might have been easier if they had had like one word for drawing a card from your deck versus one from drawing 
a mm. card from your discard and then just saying and play. It seems like they yeah, over engineered I... it. And is it yes, is it exactly. look through until you find the card that matches, or is it search and search and then pick one of the cards that match? Or yeah, it, yes. It, for it, instance, collect is it search be. your deck. Discover is reveal cards from the top of your deck, uh, and one is play the card, and the other is put them in your hand. And collect, I, I absolutely agree with you there, Albert. Actually, that's a very good point. If they just said draw and play or something, yeah, rather than trying to combine them all in these slightly less intuitive words. So mm-hmm. that, I, again, it's not a huge issue. You've got the cheat right next to you. You just have to look it up. But it, it does, it, it's, it's a not bit there on the card in front of you. So it, it, that's slightly less neat to me. Well, mm-hmm. not less neat, but. It means you've got to look at an extra resource to work out what you're doing. Yeah, to, to be fair, I find as the game progresses, I, I will probably um, remember that. Yeah, that I'm, I'm doing a lot of collecting, and collecting is this thing. Yes, yeah, I, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. It becomes less of a problem. Yeah, especially once you've played a lot. Like as much as I've played the old game, if I played the newer one that often, I'd I'd have it all internalized already. Probably <laughs> wouldn't I, be an issue. Yeah, I don't. I mean, as far as how the game actually feels to me. They feel almost identical, I would say. I, I mean, okay. I, I, I don't feel a huge difference between the two. There the probably are balance issues that I'm not noticing behind this, particularly with someone like um, Absolute Zero, who was a total pain to get running. And then when you got him running, he's, he's very good. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's a little better in the new one, but I, I don't know that I've noticed huge difference. Tempest is the biggest difference. Consequently, I've hardly played him because I, I get too confused yeah. about what you do. <laughs> so yeah, they, they, sorry. They, they just say quickly they have produced a conversion guide. Um, oh, the idea of this is you can use this is a, a free PDF. You can use old old content, and I assume that would include Earth Prime content because that's basically the earlier edition compatibility. With, well, I remember with the Kickstarter the... for Earth Prime a long time ago, so it's interesting it's only just come out. Yeah. So, so you can yeah. use that with with the current rule set. Okay. Uh, environment cards basically have keywords now, so you have one shot cards and ongoing cards, things like that. So, okay. you, so your classic environment cards um, effectively become ongoings. Okay. And that means a thing that will destroy ongoing cards can now destroy them. That's yes, oh, there nice. were a few quirks where some cards were like, this will destroy one ongoing or environment, and some wouldn't, and it wasn't really clear why not, or, or yeah. You just got used to having to do the or environment thing. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, that's that's a two-page PDF, and, and I think um, if, if, you, if you want a more detailed look at the, how the new rules have changed, that's probably not a, not a bad start. I'll, I'll link mm. it in the show notes. Yeah, I think I will print that out. That looks that looks handy. Even just going from classic Sentinels to the Earth Prime Sentinels, this will be useful. Which is now it's probably worth mentioning that Earth Prime one isn't a published by them, right? This is somebody else licensed the the game system. For well, that, that's the Mutants and Masterminds uh, RPG World, okay. which is published by Green Ronin. So I I don't know who's actually you know organizing the printing and stuff, but but it's in some way a joint venture of the two, uh, Greater Than Games and Green Ronin. Green Ronin. It's tempting to me because to me that's basically, I presumably compatible with all the other heroes and Sentinels characters. Mm-hmm. So you could just have, it's, yeah. it's a whole new, load more villains and, and heroes, which is always a good thing for Sentinel. I mean, <laughs> they, again, they've been. I I don't know how many heroes were in the original in the end, but it must have been 
I don't know, 30 upwards? I, I couldn't tell you, actually, yeah. off the top of my head. Really. So I have, I think, 49 heroes, including the Earth Prime, and I, I guess I have 50, about but... six, right, six yeah. or eight from Earth Prime, maybe? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly. Probably eight. And they yeah, are, they are completely compatible, are they? Because like, I'd still be tempted mm-hmm. to get Earth Prime, just to give me a few more... <laughs> yeah, so I didn't want to buy it. I said, I don't need yet more, right? But then they had the little tiny packs with just one hero or one villain. Yeah. There's two heroes, a villain, and a location. You could buy those individual packs. I think they're like about $5 each, so they're relatively cheap. Um, and I bought those, and I was impressed just how much fun they are and how interesting those characters were that the next day I went to the store and bought the box. So they're very okay. different to the Sentinels. They were very different. They all felt very different, yeah. Oh, that little oh god. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I come into this not, not buying anything. Okay. I'll, I'll pretend I didn't hear that. Yeah. So, I mean, I, 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 uh, I did the math and using all the stuff I have now, there's like 16 million ways to play <laughs> using, of combinations. Yeah. And I'm guessing the adding that box brought it up from something like about a million ways to play. Yeah, maybe to me. So, yeah, you don't need it, right? No. I mean, I mentioned on the one player podcast. By the time you've gone through those million different iterations, you've already forgotten all the early stuff. And you're gonna—it's <laughs> all gonna be new anyway. Yeah. I, I, what? Um, I, so I did eventually cool on um, Sentinels, and it wasn't any of the enormous variety um, that did it for me. Uh, frankly, in one word, it was Oblivion, which just <laughs> was. I, I know it was supposed to be for veterans and difficult, but all of those problems of, oh, I forgot to give them plus one to hit this round, and I forgot. Every single round, I would forget, I, I think, at least four or five things. And mm-hmm. I, you also end up playing the villain way more often than the hero. I, I just found that incredibly fiddly and complicated. Did you try that solo, Albert? I have not, I have absolutely no intention of ever trying it solo. Yeah, and w- exactly. when I bought it, I never yeah. expected to try it. I, I was buying it for the locations and the heroes and the other stuff that was with it. <laughs> yeah, but, that's very wise. Right? The, the, the character card for that villain is a booklet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when when yeah. I saw that, I was like, that's just, that makes no sense. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's fantastic and it's ridiculous. Right? It's like, it's like that ogre we mentioned earlier. It's just so huge and brilliant. awesome. It's, hmm. Wow. <laughs> Again, I think they were going for that kind of massive multi-dimensional end of end of this line of comics kind of clash together of everything. Um and it's great cuz a lot of the villains become heroes because you know it's otherwise the whole world is destroyed. Yep. There's it's really nice and flavorful, but the actual experience of playing it was so miserable uh, <laughs> that it put me <laughs> off playing. How um, long did I'm that afraid. take? I didn't finish it. I, I mean, I, I, I had it set up on my desk for sort of two or three days. And a- after a while, I realized I just, I don't want to sit down and play it, to be honest. I'm <laughs> not interested in doing it. Um, so yeah, I, I played through, I don't know, maybe six rounds or something, where every round I forgot so much, uh, uh, that I felt like I was cheating every round because I'd be like, mm-hmm. oh, I should have done this. I'm going to have to rewind it, but I can't remember. I've only two sets. I, I, it was just so fiddly, and all the counters in the world wouldn't wouldn't help with it, really. Uh, so, so I'll be honest, when I play Sentinels Multiverse, I will miss stuff constantly throughout the yeah. gameplay. I'll forget to take damage. I'll forget to that I wasn't supposed to do five points on a character. I was only supposed to do four. Or, or he you know, was a and nemesis. It happens. Yeah. yeah, and that's just... Oh, I forgot about that rule entirely. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> that, I don't even worry about that anymore. It is, no. I accept that I'm just going to get it wrong, but I'm having fun going through the well, process of the fight and seeing if I'm going to win or lose. You know, it doesn't matter. It, is that still happening with the new version? Is it as? Uh, a bit. 
okay. you you do get the markers with it that have you know this this character's doing plus one damage, minus one damage, whatever. Uh, it, yes, what what, what you'd really need is is a conspiracy board with strings. So <laughs> you know this card over here has a string to <laughs> this yeah. character's plus one damage. So when you pick, because the big problem is why have I got three plus ones? Am I supposed to? Where did this one come yeah. from? <laughs> There's uh, a thing I think may have changed from the old edition that basically any time a card leaves play. Its effects automatically end all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I think that is different. Which, which means, if you fail to do the cleanup um, sufficiently accurately, then, then as you say, you may find yourself with a plus one, and you just can't work out where it came from. Yeah. Gosh, okay. Yeah, Julius likes to play the digital edition, right, my co-host? Because uh, because it takes care of all that for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did again. I, I played the digital edition a lot. Um, as well. Uh, mainly because I could play online with other people. I still enjoyed the card game sort of solo. Um, mm-hmm. but I, but playing online with other, with friends, once they made it, uh, did they make it asynchronous? I can't remember if they did in the end, but I mm-hmm. had some good experience. But, and I remember thinking with Oblivion, oh, I need to play that online, but I still haven't because I, t- I just, <laughs> I, I even, it just really cooled me on the whole thing. It's a real shame. Yeah. Cause I, well, like, Julia said he played the Oblivion digitally and, and that kind of caught him on the game too. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I, I can see what they're trying to do. And I, I suppose what I should just be able to say is, well, I don't, I'll just won't play that. Like you have very wisely done, Albert, but I, I struggle with that idea that I'm never going to play it. And it makes me feel like I never want to play the whole game. Did you, Albert, did you ever try the Vengeance box set? Did you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. With the multiple villains. I, I like it. I have played that a few times. I haven't gone back to it in a while. Yeah, and honestly, when I say in a while, honestly, I only play a few games every year. But every year, I yeah. seem to pull it out for a while. Um, but it it adds more bookkeeping because you have mm. one villain per hero. So if you're playing three heroes, you got three villains. Yes, and so it does slow things down a lot. But that wasn't too bad. You can also have a lot of variety in characters. In yeah, the there were a load of ton of good villain. I, it <laughs> felt, Oblivion felt like that only. It felt like each villain had three goes for every hero, and so it just, yeah. Really. <laughs> but I did like Vengeance. It made me think, one I'd like to design is just like, or, or mod, put a mod in for us, like one hero versus one of the mini villains from Vengeance, so you can do a one on one. It doesn't, I don't know how easy that would be to do because they all go off one main deck, really. But it'd be, it'd be interesting to try. Yeah, yeah. I, I imagine I have it'd been... be chaotic. Yeah, I, I've been poking a little at what you might call a sort of danger room mod. So for the idea that if you've got you know a hero you haven't played before, you want to learn their deck, uh, yeah. you, you just have them against a, a sort of training mode. Uh, hmm. But it's tricky because, I mean, you've got characters like Legacy and uh, yeah, most of what they do is assisting others. So I, I think you need They're some sort of, staff, some sort of uh, dummy of a hero card as well, and then it starts to get awfully complicated. So I haven't really got very far with that, but uh, I, mm. I think that, I think it has potential. I, do, I will say one of the reasons I fell in love with Sentinels, um, and it's a shame, it makes me sad that most of the games I play one way or another against Baron Blade is because the <laughs> the villains are so, so different. I mean, some mm. of them are just... Thump, thump, thump. Some of them are just dramatically like the uh, um, Plague Rats, very different, and the uh, 
the matriarchs, this amazing like collection of, of Bert, Citizen Dawn with the super. They're all they all play really differently and really interestingly. I I I was constantly surprised by the variety of villains that that came out there. Um, yeah. I I'd be interested to see how that how that plays with um uh with the new. I don't know if they've made Citizen Dawn a bit easier because I remember being absolutely terrified of Citizen Dawn. But we've we've actually won a few against. Uh, yeah, uh, in in the book she's regarded as difficulty five. Uh, wow. Baron Blade is one. Akash Busha is four. Uh, and so on wow. up. Uh, I I was uh, I'm decided because it's the sort of thing I do I'm setting up a uh, challenge each month on Board Game Geek so you know, a particular configuration of heroes uh, villain and environment uh, the current one is Akash Buta with a whole bunch of extra targets in the environment so you start to get you know, this thing does damage to the three targets with the lowest hit points, and then the, the, one of them is destroyed, and the card is destroyed, and that triggers something else. And the the bookkeeping can can get a little uh, hairy, but it, it's just lovely to see. You know, here is this trivial action I took, and then bang, bang, bang. Whoa, what happened? Okay, the, the bits have stopped bouncing now. So who's still alive? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just played against her the other day. I played a game just to get ready for this, and I, I you know I rolled a die to see which villain it was, and. When I got Akash Buta, I was like, I think I'm going to re-roll that. <laughs> she, she is so hard. And I, yeah. I I kept it. I said, I'm just going to leave it the way it is. I rolled it. It's fine. B- but she is so hard. I, I lost. I didn't stand a chance. Yeah, I think it really fun. depends. I remember the chairman being an absolute pig as well. In fact, I don't know if I ever beat the chairman. Um, mm. Yeah, It depends a lot, too, on which heroes you end up with yeah. and what you start yeah. with. right? It, it, it could be real easy or really hard, depending on... Well, have. that's well, that's reminded me randomly um, of one of the changes in the new version that was never in the old version, which is the events, which I really like. Actually, um, have you talked about the events, Roger? At all? Oh, I don't uh, think so. So, in effect, these are villain variants. So, for the for the um, stand, standard events, uh, you've you've got a card with the description of what's going on and the comic book cover and so on. Uh, but it's basically a a minor variation to the to the standard villain so oh, you know okay. wh- whenever a card is destroyed do this or that is the is there like a deck of generic event cards or is no it one they, they, they are they, they are tied to the villain okay uh so far it is one event and one critical event per villain it doesn't have to be um, okay, and you could choose not to play with it if you. Don't oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. The villains also have the advanced difficulty setting, which is separate from that. Ah, well, okay. So that that will give them just some little bit of extra nastiness. The, the so the event is a bit more thematic, uh, and you also get critical events, which are same basic idea. They are still tied to a villain, but they replace the villain card. So, you, mm-hmm. so you're still working with the villain deck, but their but their core power has been altered in some way. Ah, okay, gotcha. So it is the equivalent of the hero variants. So you're still using the same deck, but you've but they uh, yeah. but the main power is different. Maybe their hit points are different. That sort of thing. Uh, yeah, and but, they have they already had the villain variants before too, right? I've got a few of those. Mm. Like I think there's a couple different Baron Blades and whatnot. Yeah, so I I, I think this is many. basically the same idea as that. Um, but by calling them events, and obviously you can play whatever configuration you like, but if, if you want to do a, a sort of mini campaign, 
well, each of these events and critical events has a date. So you can say, okay, the, I can play through this in the order it okay. happened in the comics. Uh, with the standard events also, um, if you, if you defeat them, there's, there's a power up which you can put in your collection is the term they use for it. And you basically use in a future game. I haven't tried those yet, but the, oh. uh, but if, if, if you're playing a long series, you, you can get some sort of, uh, benefit that way. Nice. So it's good to do a campaign. So like in your challenges, maybe you could have a, a challenge where it's two games. And if you f- beat the first one, you could then take that thing for your second one. Yeah. Um, do include links to your challenges too when, when you publish the show notes. Uh, yeah, we'll do that. Um, eat, they, basically there's, there's one each month which I put out at the beginning of the month. Um, but yeah, obviously if you're just looking for odd setups to do, then, uh, the, the other thing is of course, because it's a, um, not not very competitive, but somewhat competitive thing. You know, how, how well can you do on this? I have to introduce a scoring system. Uh, yeah, the standard game is cooperative. Uh, okay, yeah. But I've been saying things like, uh, for the first ones, how, how many total hit points do your heroes have at the end of the game when they've won? Uh, and for, for the current one, um, because people are going to be taking a lot of damage and Fnatic is involved who, who does better when she's on low hit points. Uh, I, 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 I changed it to, um, basically how many rounds can you, could you take to defeat? Mm-hmm. And so th- that's, yeah, another way of changing things around a bit. Is the, uh, is the newer game, the new game faster than the old game or does it still take the same amount of time? Do you think? I, I can't say I've noticed it being, I mean, it, again, it very much depends on what villain you're playing mm. and what hero mm-hmm. you're playing, what heroes you're playing. Um, I, it's not a lightning fast game, but I, uh, I, it doesn't feel dramatically quicker to me. Um, like that game we played against Citizen Dawn at Aircon, Roger, that seemed mm. to take a while. I mean, we had fun, but I wouldn't say we shot through it particularly. And that was with the new edition, so. Yeah. Having experienced both personally, I may be slightly faster, but I, I not noticeably from my perspective. Okay. So you, you guys mentioned that the one of the things they streamlined was that your characters build up more quickly. You don't it doesn't take as long to get the cards out to 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 do your stuff. So it sounds like it should be faster. Like yeah, it should be much faster. I don't know. Do, do you have a feeling on how many rounds a? I, I don't suppose there is really a typical fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's tricky because um I I felt like the old mm-hmm. heroes had ways of um I I suppose I'd take Absolute Zero as an example of a character that takes some building before they can do anything, really. Otherwise they're just hurting themselves. Um I maybe maybe a few rounds quicker, but he always had cards in his hand that could summon the uh the the isothermic transducer or whatever. And similarly Ra, he always had the summon staff thing. Yeah. Uh, Wraith always had a um, uh, ingenious invention or whatever card it is. So I, d- I don't know that I've seen cards that make it dramatically quicker along those lines. So okay. I know that's their stated intent. I, I, I guess I remember reading that maybe they streamlined some decks, not all of them anyway. So maybe I, I, I think could see where if that's the case, it wouldn't be much faster. I, I yes. think they have yeah. all been completely rewritten. I mean, in some they may have kept oh. more of the original, but but basically. It, Every every card is at least a bit new. 
Well, they've all got new art, and a lot of them do new things and slightly catch you. Yeah, so there are. Well, they've they put I, them into the new. You know, we're now going to call this collect. So if it if it was a minor yes. variant on collect, we're just going to call it collect on the card. I think uh, in general, I think I've noticed the heroes, particularly the core set, are probably a a little bit more powerful. I was always a bit underwhelmed by Hacker for what he seemed to be. Uh, this Hulk guy, and he, he, I never quite got him as good. Uh, and I've seen, again, I haven't played him that well, but I've seen him played very well. But mm-hmm. that might be that I just couldn't play him very well in the first. <laughs> in the first I, I don't know how well, how well they've succeeded because we don't have Rooks and Renegades yet. But I, I think they're trying at least not to have that power creep thing. You know, they, they, yeah. they, they have some idea on the on the second time round, roughly where they want to go. Yeah. And I think they're trying to make the core set heroes stay competitive with the theoretical later stuff. I, will they succeed? I don't know. But yes, there were some later heroes. It was much better. Always playing, or, or I felt like uh, maybe I just like them more. Then I don't know. <laughs> Unity's one of the core heroes now, isn't she? Yeah. Um, oh, was like, okay. It, 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 it's she interesting. Was a standalone expansion before, just yeah. a single booster pack. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's really interesting to note you. You've been talking about uh, your your favorite villains and some of your favorite heroes and. I think everybody you've mentioned so far is either in the core set or the first expansion. Ex- yes, except Oblivion, obviously. <laughs> now, whether that is... Um, I, I mean, that, that said, there are some, like Rook City Renegades, or Rook City, there are some great ones in that. There's Mr. Fixer, who I love. Yeah, um, he's, he's in RCR. Is that the... Oh, no, she, she was in a different... The, the magic one. I have completely forgotten her name. Nightmist? Nightmist, yeah. Nightmist I always liked Nightmist. No, yeah. I did. Uh, hey, I, I, I have just... Is Visionary in the core heroes? Uh, I don't recall no. seeing it at all. No, I haven't seen Visionary in either the core set or the Rook City. Oh, I liked Visionary. She was like the... Did MP. she come out in the third set, maybe, with the, uh, the timelines? I, I don't think they've announced anything about that yet, okay. but... Do, okay, do we was... know if they're going to release all the characters from the original stuff, or is somebody going to be? I, I think that's the theoretical idea. I mean, they, they they haven't said anything formally, and I imagine that if they, you know, start a conversion job and think, you know, this is just not fun, it would be better to do a new character. Mm-hmm. Then they probably will. I mean, they they do have a couple of new characters. Do uh, they? Okay, that's no, so there are some new. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, that's reminded me of Iron Legacy. Is a great. I just love that that he's a great villain. He's Legacy from an alternative universe who, um, whose daughter gets killed, and he's um, he's a, he's fun to play. I remember. Yeah, is that, yeah. There's some really oh, the tw- the shattered timelines one was very good. There's you know some of the villains like the what was she called the Dreamer? She's basically a six year old girl. She's got like six hit points or something, and if you kill her, you lose the game. But you've got to kill all the other things yeah, that she's dreaming. That was a nice twist. Yeah, that was fun. And the, what's the guy who the the serial killer in Rook City? There are some great villains. Uh, I've I've got his name now. But. Yeah, it sounds like you're gonna you're gonna finish this recording and go play a quick game. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you've got me very excited. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> the the other thing that really strikes me, I I think particularly when I'm playing solo, I don't like games where randomness is important because it feels you know did I really beat it or did I just get lucky this time. Um, it's harder to score it as well, there, isn't it? Yeah, because um, you always want a bit of a. Or I always want a bit of a score in a solo game. But uh, last month's mm-hmm. challenge I set up was against Citizen Dawn, and I, I played one one time with Nick, and 
we actually did really quite well until the very last moment because because yeah. uh, in the current version uh, she she flips when sufficient ci- sufficient citizen cards are killed mm-hmm. and then she's invulnerable until there are enough citizen cards on the table that she flips back and she didn't flip ever because we oh, we, wow. we didn't get citizen cards coming out and yeah. then when we did we we could withstand them for a bit and that was great except that because of that tactic uh we took a lot of damage right at the end yeah um, we lost a ton of points but yeah we we, we lost on points but we, but we yeah we did overall defeat her uh and then i thought I, i'd give this another go pure solo and it came out completely differently um you know the citizens came out very early on uh that we had to deal with them and this is exactly the same setup exactly the same heroes villain environment but the feel of the game was completely different and it was still fun. Mm. So that's the thing I'm really liking about this. You know, there, there is randomness and it changes the game, but it's still, it's sufficiently well balanced that it's still an enjoyable game, even if it's coming out differently. I mean, it feels <laughs> to me like, I suppose it, it boils down to what I said before. Would I, even though I've really enjoyed these new ones, I've got this tomb of doom under my stairs. I, I am not, I'm not feeling even now, I'm not feeling terribly motivated to go and get the new... I might go and get Sentinels of Earth Prime, <laughs> I must say. Uh, but I'm not feeling terribly... Because I'm the feel of the game is identical, and some tweak, or to me, feels much the same. And some little tweaks and balances and things, I don't know that's worth it yeah. to me. And it doesn't shorten the game or anything, it's just... It doesn't feel like it's, it's, yeah. it's not. I mean, it was never a hugely long game unless you're playing Oblivion, but it's. It, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think it's a lightning fast game either. Nor do I. It doesn't outstay its welcome, I suppose, to me in either version. I, I think it, it lasts, but for me, it takes about sixty to ninety minutes to play. Yeah. To the game. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, d- I mean, depending on setup, but yeah. Well, Baron Blade's usually a bit quicker, isn't he? And, and depending on the hero, but yes, for for a lot of villains, I would agree. That sounds about right. Okay. And I've, w- would it be fair to say, Nick, that w- when you first played the new edition, it, it was pretty immediately recognisable? I mean, it felt like, would say, it felt like the, basically the same game modified yeah. rather than a different game. Absolutely, absolutely, it does. Yeah, I, I, it feels like the same experience to me, which is very good, which I like very much, and I'd certainly recommend it for new players. And what I'm hoping, Roger, is that you'll buy all the expansions, and then I'll get to play them anyway. Well, I, I, I'm certainly on track for that. Yeah, perfect. Uh, I think probably in terms of buying advice would say if you've got the old one and you're happy with it, then yeah, that's great. No, you're happy. Yeah. There, don't change it. There probably isn't going to be a whole I lot more so. stuff coming out for it, but you've got quite a bit already and who knows what might happen in terms of Earth Prime. So. Mm-hmm. And you might, you actually might be able to, if you don't have any version, you might be able to find the older version cheaper now because somebody's Possibly. getting rid of their copy. That is a very good point. Yes. I bet that, bet that's true. Uh, from my own perspective, I would say as a new player, I'm very happy with the new version and I haven't, I, the, the main disadvantage of it, as far as I was concerned, was, you know, there were just these 12 heroes, six villains, six environments, rather than the whole mass of everything yeah. that was available for, for the old edition. But I'm, I'm definitely not running out of them. I haven't, I've not even played all the heroes yet, so. Right, yeah. Um, an interesting question. I think I'm definitely keeping my old version. I don't, I don't see any reason to switch either. Unless they keep coming out with more content after they've finished everything, then they have 100 heroes. It's like, oh, well, that's going to be tempting. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. So there's also, if you want a superhero card game that plays like that against a villain, there's also Marvel Champions, 
Which have you guys I, played that? I have. Uh, I've only got the original, um, uh, the the very first set, first box for that. I think. Yeah, I I haven't, but that's partly because th- that whole thing. That's why I yeah I'm not a superhero fan, but I globbed mm. onto Sentinels because of that whole feeling of the lore is out there, but there isn't anybody who actually knows it. For Marvel, the lore is out there, and there are people who spend their lives knowing it, and that's less appealing to me. That yeah, may not may not apply to anybody else, but it it doesn't enthuse me about the game. What? How does it compare to Sentinels, Albert? To play? Um, I've played it a couple of times. It it's different in that. Uh, you, well, you don't have to play three heroes against a villain. Mm. You could do just one hero if you want. You could yeah. play multi-handed. Um, but it is against a single villain, so it feels very mm-hmm. similar in the way it works. Mechanically, it's different. It's not the same game at all, but it, it, it does have a lot of similar feeling of a team of vi- heroes against a villain. Yeah. It doesn't have an environment deck, um, so you're just playing wherever it is. Uh, my son and I played our first game, and we both said the same thing. We should play Sentinels. Yeah, <laughs> I must say, the reason I, I'm asking you, I played it once... And it was all right, but I, I must yeah. say, it didn't grab me immediately in the way Sentinels did. It, it, it made me homesick for Sentinels. Mm. That's sort of the way it felt, which is interesting. Now, I've only played it a couple of times. I don't have a lot of experience. I don't have a lot of different content content mm. for it, so it might be different if I had a lot of villains and heroes to play. It makes a match with. Because, I mean, that is what I like about Sentinels. I love the ability to roll up a, a random team against a random villain of a random place and, and <laughs> play that out. Well, I sp- I've spoken about Sentinels' kind of generosity in the core box, and that, is, that was not my experience in Marvel Champions so much. I think you get three heroes. I can't remember it's three. You get you get four heroes. Four. But you is can't... Maybe five? I think it's four. And you get two villains, yeah. but then each villain has two different... Um, Setups, I guess. It's, oh, it's, it's kind of like stories, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, it just felt a bit meager compared. You know, I think the original Sentinel. I mean, the new one's got twelve, six, and six, and the environment deck keeps it interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know quite what gripped me, but I think the variety was certainly something that attracted me to Sentinels, which only got mm-hmm. exponentially more. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I felt it was a bit mean, and I, I haven't felt like, oh, I'll, I'll get the expansions then with Marvel's Champions. But as yeah. I say, I only played it once. Yeah, so like Roger. I mean, I, I'm not interested in the Marvel universe. So I yeah. only got it because uh, my son and I play Lord of the Rings a lot, and <laughs> he's he's entering ninth grade, and I'm thinking at some point he's going off to college, and he's going to want Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> How about I get Marvel Champions? We could try that instead. <laughs> yeah. And okay, see, yeah. see if he likes that. Well, I suppose and, I came from a slight. I got the Arkham Horror Living Card Game, okay. which is. It, it's, it's a. F- it's not quite the same game. It works quite well for me in Arkham Horror because um, it's very different to the Arkham Horror board game. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I like the flavour of it. Um, uh, but, but yeah, I must say that Sentinels. I don't know. Yeah, the, the champions just didn't grab me in the same way, and I just automatically thought of Sentinels. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I bought a. That's interesting. I bought a couple expansions for the Marvel game for my son. Yeah. And it's like a couple different heroes, and I find it really hard to to buy one. It's like, oh, I've heard of this character. I don't really care about him. I don't want that one yeah. or that. And I don't get that with Sentinels. I have no idea who they are, right? You know? Yeah. Because nobody, they just made up randoms. Yeah, I'll try them. Sounds great. So yeah. it's interesting that the IP is here in Marvels is actually maybe being an issue. I, I think well, it might all, help. For all of us, yeah. I yeah, mean, as you said, if, if you 
have an expansion and you say, this is Iron Man, everybody knows how that should be and that they'll be expecting you to feel a certain way. Whereas yeah. if you say, this is this guy Bunker and he wears an armoured suit and, yeah. and, and has guns and things, well, it doesn't have to be the same. And it's going to be, you know, distinctively like Bunker, but the game is the only source for defining that. Yes, mm-hmm. and you can't be like, oh, he's not like Iron Man, I expect, because he's not supposed to be. He's, uh, I yeah. mean, he is a bit, but they can they can use that <laughs> they can use that as a, an excuse. Yeah. Yes, that's right. So, so if you get the the Marvel version and and you get the Iron Man, and he doesn't play the way you expected him to play, it doesn't feel like like what you think Iron Man should feel like. Then you're going to be yeah. let down a little bit. Yeah, well, which which, which may not even be the fault of the game, to be fair. But it's just because right. everybody's got a different idea of what that character is like. Exactly, mm-hmm. and you'll get people say there's no way Spider-Man would lose against the Rhino or whatever, you know, which is <laughs> is not going to happen in uh, in sense. But but maybe Wraith could lose against the Hippo. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. Um, any any final thoughts? Get a right. version of Sentinels. We don't care which. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> they're not, they're not paying us to say wrong. this, but we love this game. <laughs> I, well, I've had similar experiences to you, Roger, in that I, I've tried to evangelize it to some people, some very successfully, others just didn't get on with it at all. Um, I, I don't know what, but I, I feel like that would happen either way. But I, I love it. Overplayed it, overdosed it, went off it, and Roger has got me back onto it. So thank you. <laughs> Yeah, same here. I'm I'm happy with it. Uh, I don't see any reason to switch versions, and I will keep playing the game. Okay, it's it's definitely one that has longevity. Yeah, uh, Nick, Nick Albert, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having us on. Okay, uh, I'm. Desperately sorry I wasn't able to join in for the uh, Sentinels discussion because uh, I've got the definitive edition, which I, I picked up after you introduced me to it, Roger, which I've had an awful lot of fun with. Um, it plays really well solo. I'm normally not a big fan of playing multi-handed solo, but it works so well with the decks because they're, you know, they're, they're, they're so streamlined. Also, um, I think it helps that it is cooperative, so it doesn't it doesn't hurt that you know what's in the other guy's hand. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So it become. Yeah. It's a bit more of a. Yeah. I, it just plays really well, and I, I like the fact that there is an individual deck for each hero, as opposed to sort of a general deck, which is like a, a, a Marvel's Legendary, which is the one I played previously. So mm. you'd have a deck of hands where you've got cards that activate Spider-Man or the Hulk. I like this. This is an individual hero. Yeah. Um, and uh, your challenges are just f- fantastic. I've been having so much fun with those. So that's. <laughs> it's a bit like the Rally Man cup which is the only you know the main reason i still got rally man is because of the, the the monthly cup challenges and your sentinels monthly challenges just mean that i'm getting the table you know a couple of times every month which is fabulous so uh, that's one of the reasons i started doing it as well so or, or yeah so so, felt, you know this happened for the old game nobody's doing it for the new game what the hell what the hell yeah well i'm but hurrah for what the hell so uh yeah so i would have it's a shame i missed that discussion but yeah i just wanted to chip in there with my thoughts on sentinels so i'll put a link to the challenges in the show notes we're going to be skipping next month because we're all pretty busy, but come along and uh, chat on the forums and we hope to be back in August. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>